This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. So last week when I shared about my, my minimalist Christmas light show on my house, which consists of four laser lights pointed at my house, um, one of our wonderful staff members, Julie Kirkley, showed me a video of her neighbor's house who goes here. It was a video. And you had to span it because it looked like something that Disney did. It was amazing. I'm thinking, no one takes videos in my house. It was just, it was beautiful. And after seeing that wonderful video of all these beautiful Christmas lights, uh, was I humbled, chagrined, embarrassed? Not at all, not a bit. <laughs> What I was was appreciative of all you people who go over the top on putting lights on your house so I can drive by and enjoy them. I just want to say thank you for that. This, it really was good. We're doing a, a, a series called Christmas Lights. Actually, I'm going to continue the series into the Christmas message coming up. The Christmas Lights, we talked about the light of renewed hope last week. This week I want to talk about the light of courageous faith. Courageous faith. We're going to need it. Here's a definition of courage. A state or quality of mind or spirit that enables one to face danger, fear, and life's ups and downs with self-possession. That means you don't fall apart. With confidence and with resolution. It's going to take courage. It's going to take courage. It's been a tough year. It's going to take courage for the next year. And I think of different things in life that take courage. I think of, it used to be last year, not this year so much, but last year, it took courage to drive to the mall during Christmas season. This crazy about there. It, it took a lot of courage for me personally to, uh, to build Christmas toys. Some of you are good with your hands. I'm not. And I remember telling Joy one time when I had to build Matthew's bike. I went into the garage. I told Joy, I said, don't open the door. Don't come out in the garage. I don't care what noises you hear coming out of this garage. Don't come out here until I finish. I remember standing in service merchandise. Anybody remember service merchandise? I remember standing in service merchandise, getting ready to buy a bike, and I looked up and there was a sign on the wall, we will assemble your bike for $50. I'll begin to weep just for standing right there, just like, oh, thank God, this is, this is amazing. It, it reminds me, reminds me a little bit of that pastor who moved into a new town, and he's riding his bike, just trying to get to know the neighborhood, and he sees a little guy sitting on the curb, just looks so sad, about 10 years old. He said, hey, guy, man, you don't look too happy. And the guy said, well, I can't. All my friends are out riding their bikes, and I ain't got a bike. And uh, the pastor noticed he had a lawnmower right beside him. He said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, I, I, can, I might be able to solve your problem. I, I, I've got a bike, and you have a lawnmower. Why don't we just do a trade? The little boy said, oh, that'd be great. So they traded. pastor took the lawnmower home, changed the spark plugs, flushed it out, put some gas in it, and he started pulling that cord. He could not get that thing to start. He thought, nah, that little guy just ripped me off. So he went looking for him and uh, found him happily riding on his bike. And he said, hey, hey, my man, I think, you, uh, I think you got the best of me in that trade. That lawnmower won't start. I've been pulling that cord, it won't start. And the little boy looked at the preacher and said, well, you got to cuss at it. Pastor, excuse me? He said, you got to cuss it to get it to start. Pastor got a little bit indignant. He kind of rose up. He said, young man, I'll, I'll let you know I forgot about cussing a long time ago. The boy looked back at the pastor and smiled and said, well, preacher, you keep pulling that cord. It'll come back to you. 
I can, I can so relate to that. I, re I really. It's going to take courage for some of us to face the holidays this year. It, they're going to be different. I'm thinking of my, my, my mom. My dad's already in heaven. My mom and my sister, even though they live in the same town, they're going to spend Christmas alone. And there's nothing I can do to, to change that. And it takes courage to, and maybe some of you are facing the very similar situations where you're not going to be with loved ones. It takes courage not to allow despair to set in. Just remember, God's still God on Christmas and the day after Christmas and the day before Christmas, and you can make this. It takes courage that when relationships have been strained to work on the relationships as opposed to simply walking away. And during 2020 in the pandemic, they said that the divorce rate skyrocketed. So as it skyrocketed, it's oftentimes people to determine it's easier for me to walk away. And I just want to encourage you. It takes courage to lean in and to try to solve it, but it's worth trying to solve. And then it's going to take courage for us to be able to face the uncertainties that are in our country in 2021. I don't know about you. I am believing for a blessed and much better 2021 than 2020. Uh, but I don't believe it's going to be problem-free. And I believe it'll take courage. The good news is our faith in God gives us a good reason for courage. I'll show you a scripture here. This is God talking to Joshua, Joshua 1, 9. He said, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, God knew that fear and discouragement would be the enemies of courage. So he's trying to talk to Joshua and going, Joshua, you need to be strong, you need to be courageous. And then he gives him a reason why. He says, because I'm going to be with you. And if we believe that the Lord is with us, that gives us a much stronger foundation to face life, to face difficulties, to face the ups and downs, to face the uncertainties with a resolution and courage. And you know he's with you, makes all the difference in the world. I grew up a little bit outside the city. When we were in the ninth grade, we moved out to a, a place out in the country. My parents had always wanted to build their dream house. And so it was, it was a beautiful home, had some acreage, and it was on a lake, and it was just a nice place. And we lived back in the day when dogs could just run around. I had two dogs. I had a, had a poodle, weighed about 15 pounds, kind of scruffy looking. He was, Boudreaux was kind of a white poodle. He was, he was kind of a black poodle, black dirty poodle. And, uh, and then he was kind of a cocky poodle. He thought he was really tough. And uh, until about every dog in the neighborhood chewed him up, and so he learned. But then we bought him a companion. We bought him a Great Dane puppy. Now, if you don't understand, the poodle was like this, but the Great Dane grew to where his head was like here. He was huge. Weighed about 150 pounds. He was a blue color, beautiful dog. But because the, the, the poodle was... The, the, was the older dog. When we brought this puppy in, the poodle just dominated this little puppy. So even when this dog was this big, the poodle was the alpha dog in, in the community. But the poodle would, would, they would kind of wander around the neighborhood. The poodle would lead. And he would walk up into another dog's yard and hike his leg on another dog's tree or bush. And oh man, that made those dogs mad. And they would come roaring out from the corner. They're going to eat the dog. And then the Great Dane would step up. And you could see dogs start, starting to put the brakes on. Because the Great Dane, 
He did not mind getting in a scrap. I watched him take on three dogs one time. He would jump in the middle of it. And so when the poodle figured out he's got this great dame with him, he got even cockier. And he would just walk around the neighborhood like this. <laughs> like, I am so bad. He wasn't bad, but the one behind him was bad. And he was backing him up until the great dame died. Yeah, you think it was all for you. You ought to hear what the poodle thought because all, all the other dogs lined up. They're kind of waiting out in the yard going, come on out, come on out. We got you. Now, I tell that story to tell this. The, the poodle was courageous because of who backed him up. When you believe that God is with you, when you believe that God is for you, man, I tell you, we don't slink through life. We don't, we don't stay on the porch of life. We walk through life like that poodle going, I'm going to go where I need to go, and I will hike my leg on the devil's bush, and I don't even care because of who's backing me up behind me. I've got God on my side. He gives us a reason for courage. If you go ahead and clap, go ahead and just clap. Let me get it out of your system. We have mastered the golf clap in here, haven't we? Thank you. Hey, let me, let me tell you about a courageous lady in the Bible. She was Jesus' mom. Now, I know she's often referred to as Mary, the mother of Jesus, but you understand for Jesus for a long time, she was his mom. And she was, she was an awesome lady. And as a young lady, you can see the character in her that enabled, that you can see the reason God picked her. So I want to read the whole story. If you bear with me, just let's read this whole story of the angel coming to Mary. We don't ever want to lose the wonder of God coming to earth. So here's the story here. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greetings this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. He will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And the, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary was a young woman of very courageous faith. But I want you to hear what transpired in this, because I really believe what the angel said to Mary helped her. Because he didn't just walk in and say, Hey, Mary, you can have a baby. First thing he comes, he brings her what God's perspective of Mary was. He said, you are blessed. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, that was his greeting. And that kind of disturbed Mary. She didn't understand it. Probably a revelation to her. Maybe she did not see herself as blessed. Maybe she did not see herself as someone who was favored if the Lord was with her. And yet, the angel Gabriel brought God's perspective of what God thought of Mary to Mary. And then he told her about her child. And he told her some of the awesome things that would take place. I think it's interesting that Gabriel named both John the Baptist 
and named Jesus. You're going to call his name Jesus. He's going to be great. He's going to be called the son of the highest. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. That's just such an awesome thing. She said, your child is going to be amazing. That would encourage any mom-to-be. Your child is going to be amazing. I think we all think that anyway. But the angel was saying, hey, this is what God's saying about your child. But then the angel did something I think was really great because he encouraged Mary's faith. Mary asked a question. She said, how can this thing be, seeing I don't know a man? In other words, she basically says, how is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. Now, I think we have to make a distinction between Mary and Zacharias. When this same angel, Gabriel, about six months earlier, showed up and said to Zacharias, hey, you're going to have a baby, Zacharias basically looked at the angel and said, how do I know you're telling me the truth? Because I'm old. Mary said, how's this thing going to happen since I'm a virgin? Because it's not like virgins were commonly having children around then. This was, a, this was kind of a new thought. How is this going to happen? Not if it's going to happen, How's it going to happen? And the angel said, he said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And evidently Mary took that. Then he pointed out her relative cousin, Elizabeth. He said, Elizabeth, he said, this is now the sixth month. She's pregnant. This is a sixth month with her who was called barren. You have to understand, being barren for a woman in that day was one of the hardest labels you could put on her. Hard thing. She said Elizabeth was called barren. Now she's pregnant. And, and so I'm sure that encouraged Mary because if God could, could let a woman who was way past the age of bearing children have babies, God can still do miracles. And then Gabriel's last words to her with, was, because with God, nothing will be impossible. So what's he doing? He's encouraging her faith. He's saying, hey, God's power is going to come on you. Hey, God's power came on Elizabeth and she's going to have a baby. If God can do something like that for Elizabeth, he can do the same thing for you because with God, nothing's impossible. And Mary's next words were powerful. She adopted what I call a very courageous faith stance when she said, she said, behold, I am the maid servant of the Lord. Now, you got to stop right there. There's a lot of things she could have said. She could have looked at the angel and said, well, well you understand I'm a virgin? You know, Zacharias, first thing when the angel told him he was going to have a baby, his first words were, I'm old. And my wife is well advanced in years. She was old too. And she, she kind of looked at the angel and went, I, I'm, I'm a virgin. Do you understand I'm a woman with an impeccable reputation? Do you understand I'm engaged to be married? Good men are hard to find. But she said, I'm a maidservant of the Lord. What is she saying? She said, I'm submitted to God's will for my life. I'm his servant first. And then she said, let it be to me according to your word. Now, this was not just, we read this now and it's a Bible story. But do you realize the ramifications of that? Let it be to me according to your word. Do you realize how many people would not understand the situation? Can you see Mary a couple months down the road and someone's like, Joseph's looking at Mary, he's like, girl, you, you're getting a little... Chunky? She said, well, Joseph, sit down, I got to tell you something. Um, a couple months ago, Angel came to my room, big guy, Gabriel was his name, and he told me I'm going to have a child. But it's not just any child, Joseph, 
It's God's job. I'm carrying God's baby. And Joseph went, right, sounds great, cool, let's do it. Let's. You know that didn't, that wasn't going to sell well. I'm, th this is God's baby. All the ladies are all drawing water. They're all talking about Mary. Mm, Mary's putting on some bait. Well, she says she's carrying God's baby. Oh, so it's God's baby. Sure it is. And you realize that, that it's even looked upon in that day as a, an offense punishable if they went by letter of the law by death. Mary had some courageous faith. And even though people didn't understand, she said, let it be to me according to your word. And aren't you glad, aren't I glad that she did? Because if it wasn't, we wouldn't be here today. Because of her willingness to say, I am, Lord, I am your servant. I'll take what comes. My future's in your hands. And God took care of it. Gave Joseph a dream in the night, a serious dream. Probably a big angel looked at him and said, uh, you need to take Mary to be your wife. And Joseph woke up and said, let it be to me. According, he, he bought into that. So God took care of her. Courageous faith. How do we develop courageous faith? I believe it, it, we can take some of the same things with Mary and apply them into our lives today. Now, I, one of the very first things that it, it's going to take with us is adopting a very courageous stance that we identify as being a servant of the Lord. Now, there's a lot of things you can identify with in life. You hear people identify with their weaknesses, with their failures. Some people identify with their hobbies. Some people identify with political parties. Some people identify with their colleges. A lot of different things, just a vast amount of things that you can identify with. But whatever you identify with first is the most powerful in your life. Mary said, I am the maidservant of the Lord before she said anything else. When we talk about ourselves, we say, I'm a, I'm a servant of God. That's a powerful thought. That's a powerful identity. Now, if you're thinking, Alan, I'm, you know, you're a preacher, you're a servant of the Lord, I am a sales rep, or I am a teacher, or I, you know, I stay at home with the kids, so I, I'm, I'm not a servant. You are, I'm not. Listen, being a servant of the Lord is, is not a function of what job you do for him. It's a heart attitude towards him. Paul wrote to, uh, he wrote to two different groups in one letter. He wrote to slaves and slave owners, and he told the slaves, he said, slaves, he said, do what you do, not unto men. He said, do it to the Lord as unto the Lord. He said, basically, he said, do it with a good attitude because you serve the Lord and the Lord will reward you. So he's telling them, you can be a slave and still be a servant of the Lord and the Lord will take care of you. And then he tells the masters, those who own slaves, he said, you masters, he said, you treat them just and fair because you have a master. So he's saying is, we, we are, and we are willing to, we can adopt that attitude that we are servants of the Lord. And that's a powerful identity. When you say, I'm a servant of the Lord, then what you're saying is, I'm submitted to the Lordship of God in my life, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you open up the door to his involvement. But I can tell you this, not everyone's going to understand it. But it's one of the most powerful things you can do. You can begin to say, I'm a servant of the Lord. We had a friend that, that since moved to California, but uh, she, she was telling us about her mom. Her mom was raised a, a black girl in the 40s and 50s in the South. You think racism's bad now? You should have seen it in the 40s and 50s in the South. It wasn't just tolerated, it was practiced and encouraged. And her, her mom was named Unita. And Unita was walking home from school one day, and a group of white kids, she had to, she had to walk, white kids rode the bus. 
A group of white kids rode by on the bus, and they began to scream at her out the, out the window. And the predominant word they screamed was the N-word at her. And Yunita ran crying home to her mom. And she ran, her mom was a smart woman. Her mom realized the power of what you identify with. And so after Yunita told her story, she's sitting there crying. Her mom looked at her, and she said, Yunita, is that your name? Talking about the N-word, is that your name? Yunita said, no, ma'am. And her mom rose up a little bit and said, Yunita, is that your name? Yunita said, no, ma'am. Her mom looked at her and said, so then they weren't talking to you. She recognized the power of identity. Parents, listen to me real good. Listen to how your children identify. One of the biggest jobs you can do is help your children identify the right way. Talking with one of our teachers, Megan Moore, who said often you'll hear the children, and she has first and second graders, and they'll say things like, I'm so stupid, I'm so dumb, I'm so this and that. And I think sometimes we think, oh, well, they're just kids. Listen, don't let them identify with the negatives or the failures or the problems in their life. You point their identity to their love of God, that God's got a plan for them, that there's a special future for them, and they are much loved, they're special. Don't let them identify negative. But while we're at it, I've just purposed in my heart that especially this upcoming year, when someone calls out the name servant of the Lord, I want to answer and go, that's me. That's me. The second thing we can do to build courageous faith is have an understanding that the Holy Spirit is God's power source in your life. He has not changed. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I don't know if anyone thinks that the Holy Spirit all of a sudden just dialed back the power because we're living in an educated day. He never dialed back the power. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's still the same. But the Holy Spirit's power will answer a lot of the how questions in your life. Lord, how can you ever use me? The power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, how can I ever change the power of the Holy Spirit? Lord, how can I ever break that habit or that addiction that's plagued me? The power of the Holy Spirit. He is the same and his power is still the same. And when you realize that, you begin to realize I'm not just down here by myself trying to make it through life. I've got God's power source in me. Greater is he who's on the inside of me than he who's in the world. His power source, the Holy Spirit, is still the same. We can begin to relate that way. And the third thing we can do to build courageous faith is we can begin to grow in the knowledge of God's perspective of us. In other words, how God sees you, God's perspective of you. And really what that does is that is shining the light on who you really are because you belong to Christ. See, when the angel said, Mary, you're blessed and highly favored, Mary didn't quite know how to buy off on that. And you're thinking, man, if an angel would show up in my room and tell me I'm blessed and favored, man, I would, I, that would be so awesome. Guys, listen, the angel does not have to show up. I've got something even better. I've got his word. And Ephesians says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, to the praise of the glory, and this is verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. That word made us accepted in the beloved actually is translated who's bestowed his favor on us. We are blessed and we have God's favor on us. 
and God is with us. We just said the Holy Spirit, remember? God has not given us a spirit of fear, power, love, and a sound mind, so God's with us. He said he's blessed us because we belong to Christ. So that means we're blessed and also means we're favored. So you can look, you, you can look in your mirror. Tonight before you go to bed, you could go, you are blessed. You are favored of the Lord. And God is with you. Now, try it by yourself. Because if you try it with a bunch of other people, it's going to come off awkward. But try it with yourself. Just say, you know, I am blessed. The Lord has blessed me. The Lord has favored We say, well, I don't know, Alan. I, I don't feel too blessed. And it's not because of how you feel. It's because of who you belong to. Because you made Jesus your Lord, you're, you're, you're with him. And, and the beautiful thing. So we need to have the wisdom of Mary. When the Lord says we're blessed, we need to say, let it be to me according to your birth. When the Lord says we're favored, let it be to me according to your word. In other words, hey, Lord, I believe it. I'm your servant anyway. You tell me I'm blessed. I believe that. That's the truth. 2004 was the second Super Bowl we had here in Houston. And we had a friend that uh, actually gave, very kindly gave Philip Moore and I some tickets. And we were going to the Super Bowl. I remember when he called me and asked me if I wanted to go. I didn't have to pray about that. I didn't. I didn't. I was like... Yes, yes. And so some friends of mine, they, they go here also, Vic and Marlene Tarasi. Vic said, well, we're going to drive down. Why don't you just, we'll, we'll meet up, I think, in a parking lot. And we got in his Yukon and drove down. So Philip and I are being chauffeured all the way down to the thing. So we're just riding in, in back of his Yukon. And we got closer to the stadium, and the traffic really started to pick up. Well, Vic got in behind a couple of buses, and then we recognized the buses he got in behind were the New England Patriot buses. So we got in behind the, the buses and, and we hit this kind of like this impasse where the traffic stopped by and the policeman started waving and he waved those buses through and he pointed at Vic's vehicle and waved him through. Vic, Vic and, Vic's a big guy. He's got had dark glasses on, wearing a jacket. His wife Marlene, she was wearing and both they both look like security people. <laughs> so the policeman waved us through and Vic had the had the sense to just jump right in. We followed that bus. They're parting traffic all over, and we're just riding up in there behind there. <laughs> we were imposters. <laughs> but the law enforcement people thought we were part of the team. So we're like, glory. We just rode, we just rode almost all the way up to the front door. And then we thought, no, nah, we better go park where we're supposed to park, because we're about to get in trouble here. So we veered off. Just drove right in. What a blessing. So why in the world are you telling me that? Because listen, God, who knows who you really are, is trying to, to get you to move along. Like, come on up here with the blessed. Come on up here with the favored ones. Come on up here with the ones whose needs are met. Come on up here with the strong ones. And we're often two times going, no, Lord, I'm an imposter. I'm really not that good of a Christian. I don't, I, I don't belong with the blessed. And the Lord looks and goes, do you belong to Jesus? Yes, sir. If you belong to Jesus, you're on his team. You're part of his motorcade. You just need to roll it right on through. Let's go. <laughs> Finding out who we really are, who God says we are. The last, the last thing is this is believe that when it pertains to God's plan for your life, nothing's impossible. I think sometimes we've heard that nothing is impossible, and we all think of things like, 
well, I think it's pretty much impossible for me to be a NFL quarterback at the age of 61. I couldn't have been an NFL quarterback at the age of 21. But at 61, that, come on, Alan, nothing's impossible. Well, that's not God's plan for my life. But whatever God's plan for my life is, nothing is impossible inside that realm. Nothing is impossible for his plan for you. And it's usually a whole lot better than you think it is. And so we just simply have to believe God. It's, it's not impossible. And if we'll believe that, we'll be a lot like Elizabeth. You know, the angel said Elizabeth was called barren. She's now pregnant. I think a lot of times people may look at you. We've had negatives said about us. You might have been called weak or unstable. Maybe you've been called just, just kind of wishy-washy. Maybe you've been called just unlucky or unlovable. Whatever negative you've been called, if you, if you just adopt this perspective that I'm the Lord's servant, I am what he says I am, I believe that with him all things are possible. They might have said that about you. You might have been called this, but you will be called strong, fearless, blessed, taken care of, someone who is a blessing. Because with God, nothing is impossible. Now, here's my question to you. Are you on that motorcade? You part of his team? Because if not, we're going to say a prayer. It's a very simple prayer. If you've never made Jesus your Lord, you've never been identified with him as belonging to him, this is your opportunity. Or maybe, maybe like I was, you, just, you did that when you were younger and you got away or you, you, you fell away. You're thinking, man, I used to be on the team, but now I'm on the outside looking in. Let me, let me tell you something. You can come right back. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we're going to pray that prayer. Would you bow your heads just for a moment with me? That's you I'm talking to today. And you say, you know what, Alan, I, I don't know that I have a relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure, but I want to be. Or maybe you're saying, I used to have a relationship with the Lord. I've gotten away from him and I want to come back. Would, would you pray for me? If that's you, shoot your hand up real quick. Just cross the auditorium and say, that's me. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Wonderful. Appreciate that. You can put your hands down. Thank you for your courage. That's, that's really where courageous faith begins. It's an acknowledgement, I need Jesus Christ to be the Savior of my life. Or the acknowledgement that I need to come back to him. Anybody else this morning before we, before we pray? Thank you. We're going to say this prayer together. Maybe you'd, you really wanted to lift your hand. You didn't do it. That's okay. You can pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. We're going to pray it out loud. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior. Is the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you.
Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.